Hello, we're here at MTech, 15 to Lifeboat. I mean, 15 to Life. <laughs> we are happy to be joined by Tiffany Grant. Tiffany, welcome back to MTech, and thank you thank for taking you. the time. Thanks very much. It's, it's been a while. It's, it's been a couple of years. Yeah, I think maybe 2007, I think, was my I, last I one. So I think something prime, like that. Yeah. yeah. Which, eight years old. It's good to have you back. It's the time's been just over flown two. by. Yes. yes. Um, so what have you been working on lately? Um, let's see. Well, I've, I've done a lot of kind of small parts and things, uh, recently, but I will take any work. I am not that proud. <laughs> uh, probably the biggest thing I've worked on recently would be the second season of Infinite Stratos. Fantastic. Yeah, which, uh, I was very pleased with and hoping there will be a third season of that. A couple of years ago, I worked on this movie called, uh, Evangelion 3.0. Um, I hope that it is released in English in my lifetime, but I, I do not know when that will be. So no one asked me that question because I don't know. That's um, okay. When I look at the voice, you oh, done twice. 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 Yeah. How did that happen? Well, they apparently, um, Kara wanted some rewrites, well, a lot of rewrites. And uh, so I did it, then I did it again, and I don't know. Well, uh, okay. Second question: Did you get two checks? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time, every time I go back, Dad, that's fine. You know what? They can have us like re-recording it, and now do the all th- the whole thing like as a noir piece, and then you know, then we'll do it as a slapstick comedy. I don't know. I would pay good money for the yeah. Evangelion slapstick comedy. Yeah. yeah. Yuck! 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 Uh, okay. That's fantastic. <laughs> Tell the listeners about our lovely earrings. Oh, okay. So about, uh, around about 2008, uh, there was a thing, a thing in Japan. What, 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 sorry, oh, mine, sorry. that was me. I was just talking to myself. It was amazing. <laughs> oh, oh, those dulcet mine. tones. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Some marketing genius came up with the idea of releasing this line of character goods that were, the character is a Cupid doll, which was, in the U.S., was really popular, like in the 30s and 40s. Um, but in Japan, for some insane reason, this Cupid doll character lives on, and they got this idea of releasing like every single anime character ever created, but it was the Cupid doll cosplaying as as that character. So the earrings that I have were originally phone charms, and um, it is the Cupid doll dressed as Asuka, and my T-shirt is Hello Kitty dressed as Asuka. So. <laughs> Let, allow me to just point out the strangeness and perhaps uh-huh. inappropriateness of there being a dull Asuka hanging from your ears. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because why not? I like to call them my little mutant Asuka babies, but yes, they're, they are hanging, hanging, yes. just like Mama, uh, <laughs> hanging, hanging from my ears. That's, that's <laughs> tremendous. Um, yeah. How's the Hello Kitty room doing? Uh, Hello Kitty um, is expanding and growing all the time. Um, I have the Hello Kitty bathroom 2.0 uh, because it's a new house. Well, not, I mean, we've lived in it for like eight years, but it's different than the one that was uh, featured in Anime Insider magazine about 11 years ago. I remember that. Uh, yeah. So, except, you know, Hello Kitty mm-hmm. sort of spills out into other areas and. Matt, my husband, he keeps saying it was just supposed to be the bathroom. It was just supposed to be the bathroom. But he's a terrible enabler because every time he goes to Japan, he he brings me things. So, is there is there also a uh, you know a corresponding Oscar wing in the house? Yeah, the Oscar stuff is mostly in my office. Um, yeah, mo- mostly in my office. Although there um, in the Hello Kitty bathroom, there is a crossover: the Hello Kitty as Oscar uh, bath towel. Okay. In there. 
Oh, there you go. Yeah. Do you have life-size Asuka things that are larger than you? No, I don't. Um, there's a, there's a Bachenko parlor in Akihabara that in the um, like entryway, they have two uh, statues. There's an Asuka and there's a Ray. Um, and they're I guess they're about my... I'm five feet tall, so they're probably about my size or maybe a little taller, you know. I'm not probably quite as tall as the average 14-year-old, but, um, you know. But I don't have any life-size ones. Now, have you so ever sadly. considered a gradient of Hello Kitty oh, to Asuka leading what? from the bathroom because there's to a the link. office? Right. There's a link. Well, the, the Hello Kitty bathroom is actually upstairs, and my office is downstairs, like on the opposite side of the house. So it would have to... That would be a really it, intense gradient. It, it would be in a very intense <laughs> gradient, like basically going throughout our entire house. And I think Matt would probably draw the line there. <laughs> that would be a little bit too, a little bit too much. A little, little too much. Give it a few more years. It'll be fine. Uh, yeah. Well, what first drew you to acting? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I think I was acting almost out of the womb. Um, the first play I did, I was in second grade. It was The Shoemaker and the Elves. I was an elf. Funny story about that is um, I had an uncle who was a, a little person, a dwarf, and uh, he was a professional clown. And one of the costumes that he had was an elf costume. And uh, so I was wearing my uncle's elf costume in my second grade play. And I mean, it was like really awesome, professionally made costume. It was so much better than what the other kids had because they were losers. But kind of the idea that like my first time on stage, I was, I was seven and I was wearing my uncle's elf costume. It's like, oh, doesn't your uncle have an elf costume? Well, too bad for you. Um, and then I used to, um, as I got older, I would perform like in uh, sort of variety shows like a la of the time like laughing and carol burnett there were a lot of variety shows on in the 70s and i would do them with my cousin the helen and tiffany show there is no footage of any of it and um half the people who ever watched are dead now i don't think there's a link though <laughs> but it was great no no uh we yeah we wrote sketches and did uh like little skits and then we would perform the commercials that we also wrote and then we would do like these song and dance routines but the um the dance routines were super white i mean they were really like dotty and marie level it was like step snap step snap i mean they were really bad it was like the brady bunch it was like that that was our level of dancing so it was it was really really horrible but we were into it it was all like captain and Tennille songs and <laughs> Oh, love will keep us together. Okay, next question. That's right. <laughs> well, let me ask, who has had the biggest impact on your professional development as an actor? Wow. Man, that, that's a tricky question, the biggest impact. Uh, okay, this is a weird story. I don't share this a lot, especially because younger people, sadly, I think will not even know what I'm talking about. But um, for some reason, when I was very young, I latched on to... Bob Hope, not literally, but watching his movies. I mean, when I was a kid, there we didn't have really cable, or even when we did have cable, that made it instead of four channels, there were like ten. Um, so, and there, you know, there weren't like video rental stores and all of this stuff. So, 
you know, you would just like watch whatever old movies came on TV. And I was just like obsessed watching Bob Hope movies and making, I would every Sunday when I get the TV guide, I'd go through when are they coming on? See, just like that. Um, and they would just pop like right into my face. Uh, he's so embarrassed, you guys. It's so funny. Let's laugh at him. <laughs> okay, we're good. Okay. <laughs> anyway. That Mac Elder is the person causing all the problems during this interview. Yeah, I'm not putting that on the uh, on my version. I'm putting everybody on else's version. <laughs> I, look, anyway, as long as they spell your name right, it doesn't matter what they write about you. And I agree. But when, but I but I was in like junior high and high school, and other kids had I don't know like Duran Duran posters on their wall. I would cut out pictures from the newspaper of Bobo. It's so crazy to even think about that now. But, I mean, he had written these books, so I would read the books, and I just like, oh, there's a Bob Hope special on TV, and they were so horribly corny. But anyway, I think one of the things that inspired me was that, first of all, that he had done all these different mediums, like, you know, vaudeville and Broadway and radio and television and films and all this stuff, but that, like, he didn't really get his big break in films until he was in his mid-30s. So that I, I found that to be very inspirational. I thought, oh, you know, because course I was a kid and performing in the Helen and Tiffany show like in my living room but I had dreams of stardom and I thought you know I would look at kids on TV and like oh man they get to be on TV and I don't that's such a bummer I didn't know they all had horrific drug problems and abusive uh, alcoholic mothers but um, anyway I, I just thought well you know since I didn't get to be on TV as a kid now my life is over and I'll, I'll never achieve stardom and like oh wait a minute Bob Hope wasn't in a movie until he was 34 okay 34 was like really really old to me at that time so like so I don't know. I thought it was, and, and he had like the best comic timing of anybody ever. So that's my crazy bizarre answer. That is perfect. I, Has I, nothing to do with voiceover, but there you go. I have never happened to have anybody <laughs> give me Bob Hope. No, that, probably so. not. So thank probably you for that. not. And if you don't know who Bob Hope is, kids, just just do the Google. Do the Google. Do the Google. <laughs> I mean, he lived in the three digits. You know. There is something in his filmography you'll like. Yeah, he, yeah, he lived to be a hundred years old, so I'm sure he, he was in something that somebody wants to see. Thanks to Jesse Jackson. Yeah. Keep holding that. <laughs> now, speaking of yes. influences, okay. you have... Ava has been around for a while now. Oh my God, so long, yes. And you've voice acted Asuka longer than most people yeah. ever get to voice act a character ever. Yes, that's true. How much has Asuka sort of rubbed off over the years, or has she? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I spent a few years denying my uh, my inner Asuka, but it but it's very true. I mean, there's some reason that when Ava came along, pretty much. Every person at ADV came into Matt Greenfield's office at some point and said, "Oh, so Tiffany is Oscar, right?" Um, yeah, I guess I guess she has. It's funny because a lot of times people will talk to me about a character that I did five, ten, fifteen, whatever years ago, and it's like I remember that character and I know that I did that character, but like, how did they sound exactly? Or you know, it, it's kind of lost to the like vapors of time, and I don't really remember, but. Um, if I happen to, if I have to go in to record something like on One Piece, for example, and I haven't played Nojiko in a couple of years, like, oh, here's a reference file. This is what that character sounded like. Oh, okay, that's great. 
Um, Asuka, I never need a reference file because Asuka is like living in my mind. She's in there all the time. She's like trying to get out. Hello. You know, she's, she's in there all the time. So I never need a reference file for Asuka because she's just always with me. And even like the, the new version of Asuka, I was able to kind of morph into that, the Shikinami Asuka. Um, yeah, it'd be impossible to say that, that she hasn't rubbed off on me over the years. And maybe vice versa. I don't know. So how did the Soryu become the Shikinami? I think when, um, as far as the Soryu versus Shikinami thing, um, what I was given to understand, this is from um, Yuko Miyamura, who's the original Asuka, um, that, you know, when when uh, Anno was, like, basically rebooting the series and doing these rebuild movies, which is kind of like an alternate version of what happened in the TV series. We start over again, and, you know, we're doing it in a different way. And she told me that it was just that, like, this is a different version of Asuka, so representative of that, that she has a different name. I mean, the other characters don't have a different name, but she has a different name. Um, I've always kind of understood that... Asuka was maybe kind of Anno's pet character, but um, anyway, yeah, I don't know. It's a different, different, she is different. There are a lot of things about her that are different, so that could be signified with a different name. Now, whether there's anything to this theory about, okay, now there's these three female pilots that's Ayanami, Shikinami, Makinami, I don't freaking know. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. But I, as long as she's still Asuka, I'm pretty okay with that. They didn't change that part. She's still Asuka Langley, and the last name changed, but don't really care. I mean, they don't they don't really use her last name that much. It's interesting because, like, uh, Shinji, he gets called Ikari a lot. But Asuka, you don't really... <sighs> I don't really remember her really being called Shikinami that much, or even Soryu for that matter. I mean, they don't really use her last name that much, so I don't know. It's Didn't really. American? I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's just not <laughs> not in there. I don't know. I don't know why. That that uh, reminds me. You sort of brought in your own uh, German. Yeah. For the, the character that wasn't something original. Uh, how long have have you known uh, German? Well, the real story is that when I was in high school, for a little while, I, I dated this boy who was German. And I started learning German from him. And I was like, well, this is pretty easy. I like German. This is fun. So I, you know, took German in, in uh, high school as, as my language. And my mother was very upset about it. She didn't like it. That'll never be useful. You should take Spanish instead. But I didn't want to take Spanish because, like, everybody was taking Spanish. So I didn't want to be like everybody. I'm like, I'm going to take German. And plus, I kind of had a leg up because I already knew some. And I thought, well, this would be good. And I did really, really well in German in, in high school and college. And I just, I just kind of took to it. And... Um, then when this role came along and I happened to speak German, I felt like it would be an interesting way to, um, something just to add to the character, to enhance the characters. I've talked to, um, Miamu about it and, you know, for her, that was extremely daunting. She didn't speak German and English is a Germanic language and there are a lot of similarities there, but like German and Japanese are so disparate. I mean... It's very, very different. So for her, like, to try to incorporate the German into the character that was originally in the, the original scripts, there are parts where she did have to speak German, and that was really difficult for her. She was really self-conscious about it. For me, I just thought, awesome, I get to speak German, so cool. And um, 
that was when we were kind of developing the character there in the first, uh, just the first recording session, episode eight, Oscar Strikes. And I remember um, specifically, one thing that really stands out in my mind is uh, she's on the, the deck of the ship and the the breeze blows her skirt up and Toji is ogling her and uh, she slaps the snot out of him and uh, the line was something just like that's the viewing fee and or you know then we were working on it and it didn't quite fit and it was um that's the viewing fee quite a bargain or something like that and it was like there is but it still needed something and I said nicht quite a bargain, nicht, which is like not, but it really means no. Like if you say, that's really cute, huh? Or that's really cute, isn't it? And, uh, but it just really fit with the mouth flaps and what she was saying. And it was just a little, just a little hint of German stuck in there. And we kind of developed this idea of, of her doing that on a regular basis. And we had toyed with the idea like that she could have a German accent, but then we didn't really want to do that because she's supposed to be like fluent in English, fluent in German, fluent in Japanese. Um, so we, we ended up ditching the whole idea that she would have a German accent and instead we just like put the German in there and what I've always called the Ricky Ricardo thing. Like Lucy does something stupid, Ricky gets mad at her, he yells at her in Spanish, she doesn't know what he's saying. And so Shinji is Lucy. And so Shinji does something stupid. Asuka gets mad at him, yells at him in German. He doesn't know what she's saying. So it's, it's kind of the same thing. And then the parts where she was actually originally speaking German, we stuck to that except for, I'm sorry, Miyamura, the parts that I couldn't understand what she was saying or it sounded like made-up gobbledygook. <laughs> and in those cases, I had to like, well, I'm not really sure what she said, but why don't I say this instead? It was like, I've listened to that phone conversation 10 times, and I think some of those things were not real words. So... Well, I do have to say, I really, <laughs> I really did enjoy it because it, it really does add a little bit of depth and it makes her yeah. more real. So it was, it was yeah. an excellent. And and we, and we didn't we didn't really. I, I always think it's important for people to know we didn't really change anything about the dialogue. Right. You know, it's just if she was you know calling Shinji an idiot or saying he was stupid or whatever, she was saying that you know or calling him a pervert or whatever, she was saying that. Instead of just saying in English, I just said it in German. It was more fun for me. And it still conveys. Yeah, and, and people, I think, still get the gist of it. And then when we did the um, the, the movies, uh, the ones that Amanda Wynn directed, uh, The Death and Rebirth and End of Evangelion, there were parts in the script, because she wrote the, the dubbing script for those, and she would put a note in the script... Tiffany swears in German. She was like, okay, Tiffany, now we need a two-syllable word here. And uh, I was like, oh, how about Ashok? And if you don't know what that means, go look it up. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. the shyster always fits. Yeah, yeah, there can always be a, a shyst in there or, you know, something fun. But anyway, loved it. That was absolutely the singular most disappointing thing for me about the Shikinami Asuka is that there is no German. Zero. It's not even in there. It's, I mean, you barely even know that she's from Germany or has anything to do with Germany. They say something about, like, her being from Europe. Um, but other than that, it's not really mentioned. So sad. So sad. So sad for me. Was there ever a point, you know, coming up professionally uh, where you thought, Maybe, you know, being an actress isn't going to work out for me. Maybe I have to, to do something else. Um, you know, once I I threw myself into it, I mean, I've always just felt like 
I'm an actor, not like I was going to become one or that just like that's what I am. But I, I wasn't really pursuing it professionally or seriously like when I was in my early 20s. I was, I mean, I guess like a lot of people at that age, you don't really know what's happening. It's, you know, just kind of going with the wind, where the wind takes you. And uh, I was doing um, community theater, i.e. stuff for free. And, uh, you know, just working like regular boring jobs and didn't really know what I was doing. And then the, the, my first my first professional acting job was dubbing anime. And uh, I thought, well, this is, this is pretty awesome. And after I did that first job, I was looking at what I was doing, which was like working in an office and that had like very rigid hours. So I quit doing that job to become a waitress because, I mean, it's like the stereotypical acting job, but the reason people do it is you have a lot more flexibility. And, um, then I eventually ended up, I worked at a, a talent agency, and that was really great because my my agent was also my boss, but that meant if I had any audition or any acting job, I immediately, like, I didn't even have to ask, like, oh, yes, I have this audition or this job. It's like, because he was going to make commission off of it. So, um, yeah, once I started doing that, I, I think, like, really, all of the jobs that I have had have been somehow industry-related Gosh, for about the last maybe like 17 or so years, I started voice acting 1994 and probably I was like exclusively doing like industry type jobs by around 19, I don't know, maybe like 96, 97, something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, not just voice acting, obviously, but, you know, doing paid theater and um, other types of voice acting work, working in a talent agency and doing all kinds of weird, crazy jobs. We're doing, working at conventions, I don't mean like anime conventions, working at conventions, like at a booth, handing out samples and stuff like that, which I always considered, yeah, like booth babe or, you know, I did those things, I did these jobs, these actually used to go through talent agencies anyway, like handing out samples and doing demonstrations in the grocery store. I did a lot of those and I I always just viewed that as an acting job because I had to pretend like I really liked whatever the product was, you know? Uh, Or this one that I did for like Olay Total Effects Lotion and, you know, like I was 28. It's like, of course I have great skin. I'm 28 years old. Here, you should try it. You're old and wrinkly. You know? (laughs) I've always imagined that as sort of floating outside yourself while you do that because yeah. So many hours. I know, just standing there and giving out samples of face cream or like whatever the thing was that I was hawking. And, yeah. But it's great. I like, got a lot of free samples of stuff doing that, even though it didn't pay well. <laughs> awesome. Paid in, in great face cream. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Blood virgins. <laughs> <laughs> Not, now available and, and, at anime cons. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, <laughs> oh for a free joke. Just, just gotta leave that there and, and let somebody else pick, that, pick up off that. So thing. let's say they, they call you to mm-hmm. do an anime you've already done. They want you to do it entirely in German. No English. Uh, oh, that would be awesome. I would Ooh. love to do that. Do an anime only So now in we German. know the market. 
Tiffany Mendez, just give her a call. Somebody come up with a drink. I think I think you just amalgamated Tiffany Grant with Erica Mendez. Yes, we just became one person. It's a long day. That, that but I but I am I am part Puerto Rican though, so does that count? <laughs> sure, no, no, I was about to say someone welcome that you know speaks English, Spanish, and German fluently. Uh, Mi español es muy malo, so uh, there we go. I, I, I tell you what, I actually did get quite a few emails from German fans of Ava several years ago because they didn't get a German dub of Evangelion until, I think, 2004 or five. Mm-hmm. So there was a long time before they got um, a German dub, and most Germans do speak English. They take English in school. So after, after they got a German dub, I didn't really get the fan mail from the German fans <laughs> anymore. That's a shame. Verdammt. But so now do you want to star in the live-action movie? Uh, well, not as a 14-year-old. <laughs> that would require an enormous suspension of disbelief. You can do a lot of things with CGI. Uh, yeah, Is sure. that still even a thing? Oh, we don't want to talk about that. There's, there's a whole lot of legal issues surrounding yeah, that. I don't, I don't want to get sued, so... Wait, we talk, Next question! Next question! Next question. Well, speaking of being the same person, you... It's really rare to hear when you, you've mentioned twice now that you've been able to chat with the Japanese voice actress yeah, for yeah. Asuka. Mm-hmm. And so many, so many times, a lot of voice actors go, I don't even, you know, I see what the director tells me, but you've actually had a chance to talk to the, the person yeah. who's done the same mm-hmm. role as you, yeah. different language. How was that? It's, it's really amazing. Uh, I, I wanted to meet, um, her name is, uh, Yuko Miyamura, and like all of her fans call her Miyamu. And I wanted to meet Miyamu for a long, long time. I read this essay that she wrote. It was in the back of a one of the Evangelion, uh, one of the Sadamoto mangas, years and years ago. I probably read it in about 1997 or 98, maybe. And I just fantasized that one day, oh, you know, if I could ever get to meet her, it'd be so great. But then, like, the years go by, and there's a lot of pressure. And I think, yeah, that's it, right? It, uh, oh, oh, that was our that was our follow up. Yeah. Oh, I can I can actually explain about that as well. Um, anyway, uh, she uh, just was like a hero of mine, and I idolized her. And I, thought, you know, if I ever get to meet her, but then I, I started dreading it. Like, oh my God, what if I meet her and and she doesn't like me, or she isn't nice, or what if she heard my performance and she thinks it's terrible, or. She doesn't want anybody else to voice Oscar. But I get all this stuff that's like building up in my mind. And and uh, anyway, but I finally did get to meet her. And we met um, in April of 2008. So it's been quite a few years now. And we just absolutely hit it off immediately. And it was funny because within a couple of minutes, her response to me was, oh, I can see why they picked you to play Oscar. I'm sure that's a compliment. Um, the thing is that she's a super, super, super nice person. So she's just a really good actor. But I actually am a bitch. So in my case, wasn't quite as hard. But uh, yeah, I've, I've had great conversations with her. We went to um, Pearl Land together, which is like the Hello Kitty theme park near Tokyo. Um, so we've had a lot of time like hanging out together and like doing just like normal things that people do that don't involve anime. Although what's funny is when we were at Kuro Land, the voice of Hello Kitty is Megami Hayashibara, who's also the voice of Rayanami. And uh, so that was very surreal. Like I was at Kuro Land with Asuka and Rayanami is singing children's songs and like, wow, it's just like blows my mind. Uh, but it, it is really awesome. And she's, um, well, I have met one other counterpart of mine, but not that I got to really know 
so well on a, on a personal basis like that. But it's really awesome. And, you know, we've discussed the, the character of Asuka quite a bit because it's like we're in an incredibly small club and I haven't met any of the other members of the Asuka club, as it were. Um, but we've been doing it for the longest because um, when we started doing the English language version, it was like still in its initial run on TV in Japan. So, you know, obviously she did it first, but I, I've been doing it for a pretty long time. And, and the, the thing that's the same about that from both of our perspectives is that when we started doing it, it wasn't some big global phenomenon. It was like, oh, we're voice actors and we're doing this job. Um, but yeah, so she wrote this essay that was um, about Asuka, and it was in the back of one of the early um, Evangelion mangas. I can't remember which one. I think it might have been volume three. And I t actually took that for her to sign for me when I met her the first time. I was hyperventilating so hard that I nearly passed out. Um, anyway, um, then a few years back, uh, a friend of mine, Carl Gustav Horn, he's the editor of all of the, uh, the English language versions of the Evangelion mangas, the various different ones that come out. And um, I wrote an article for some website around like 98 or so, something like that. 97, 98 was called In Defense of Oscar. I wrote this essay. And uh, Carl came up with the idea for what volume is that, 12? Mm -hmm. Okay, for volume 12 of the Sadamoto manga, for us to write an update. Because um, we had written these articles so long ago. And he wanted to know, like, what do we think about Oscar now? So, um, anyway, that was, that was really, really cool. I really enjoyed the opportunity to do that. Actually, another project that she and I worked on that sadly did not happen, if everybody remembers, there was a great magazine called Anime Insider Magazine. Yes. She and I went to Puroland, and... The um, one of the editors at Anime Insider found out about this, and they were going to do a big spread on it. They were going to do this feature in their magazine. We had both done the interviews. We had um, submitted some photographs of us at the theme park and everything. And this all happened the month before they went under. Like, it was going to be in the next issue that came out. Like, if that next issue had come out of Anime Insider, it was going to be in that magazine. And then that magazine never came out. That was really disappointing because I thought it was super fun. I just thought it was such a cute idea for an article, like these two the counterpart voice actors hanging out and having a good time and going to the Hello Kitty Park. And oh, that was sad. I wish that had happened. I mean, you still got to go. I know I still got to go, but I mean, I just I was excited for that article to I'm get published. Sure it would have been fun. Say, you're you're sounding like I feel not getting to read it. <laughs> I know we actually got to go, and her daughter was with us when we went. Um, and her our daughter Sue is so adorable, and she was um, I guess she was four at the time. 
So there were a total of four adults there with one child. But I thought it was good because it seemed like justification for grown people <laughs> to be at Perot Land. It's look, we're here with a child. Like, <laughs> there should be a more appropriate number of children, like child to adult ratios as I was going around and having my picture taken with all the costumed characters. Actually, I was having my picture taken with the characters that I had done the voice of in English, but the people inside the costumes did not know that because it's really crazy. But um, like, oh, look, there's Pachaco. I played Pachaco. I'm taking my picture with the Pachaco person. And like, like, who is this crazy white lady? Well, it's just me. <laughs> it's not often it's you get me. to hug yourself. I know. Outside. I know. I know. But it was really fun. It's very meta. Yeah. It's life Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, okay, this is really off topic and you didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you the story anyway. That's so was, when, uh, I was in Japan and uh, they don't really have conventions there the same way that we have conventions, but they, a lot of times um, the voice actors will do these personal appearances for different events. So um, Miyamu invited us to come to this personal appearance thing that she was doing. It was introduction of a new uh, pachinko game. And um, an Evangelion game. It's like Pachinko is sort of like a standing up type of a pinball thing, except there's lots and lots and lots of little metal balls. Anyway, I don't understand how it works exactly. But she she was there to um, like do the launch or the introduction of this new game. And so we're in this Pachinko parlor, me and, and Matt Greenfield, and um, we were the only people in there who were not Japanese, so that was very interesting. Um, I was sort of like normal size, but Matt was like really tall compared to most of the people there. But anyway, so we're in this pachinko parlor, which was really smoky. I do not like that aspect. And um, we're like taking in the events that are happening and watching what's going on. And uh, uh, anyway, so I'm standing there just like observing the, the festivities and this Japanese guy came up to me and tapped me on the shoulder, and he says, Hello, you remember me? I meet you at a convention. Here is a picture. So he shows me this picture. I'm sorry for my embarrassing Japanese accent. Just get over yourself. So um, anyway, he shows me this picture, and it's a picture of us at a convention that had just happened, like, I don't know, a year or two before or something. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do remember you. That's really cool. And so he was kind of talking to me a little bit, and like, wow, I can't believe, you know, I'm in Tokyo where I don't know any people whatsoever and this guy just you know walked up to me that's awesome so i i'm standing there and i'm watching they're doing like contests like who gets to get their picture taken with Mimu and everything about five or ten minutes later this other guy walks up to me hello remember me i need you at convention see here's our picture and I'm, what and it was another guy and like the one guy i met him at a convention in hawaii and the other guy i met him at a convention in canada and uh, they are like the Miyamu Uber fans, and they just like follow her everywhere. One of those guys showed up at a movie screening that we did in um, Melbourne, Australia. But um, anyway, yeah, that was that was my weird pachinko parlor experience. It was like running into two people that I had actually met before. Oh, you remember me? Here's our picture. I'm like, what? <laughs> you didn't remember them then, but you remember and, them now. No, I, I, yeah, I mean, I did remember them when they came up to me I like wow but it yeah those guys they go everywhere everywhere that she clearly is. Yeah. clearly <laughs> clearly they would except for the one guy that I had met in Canada before that was his first well I don't say American but like North American convention but she wasn't there he actually came to see me Wow. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's a long track. It is. Yeah. Because it wasn't even like Vancouver, Canada. It was like Toronto or Winnipeg or Something on the other side of Canada. 
something like that. I don't know. While we're on the subject of weird, I want to take a quick okay. detour okay. into your resume. We can even get weirder. Okay. Oh, right. Bring I'm, it on. I'm already mortified, so I can't get any lower than that. I know. That's uh, all right. It's all right, um, sweetie. Dragon Half. <gasps> Dragon Half! My favorite, not maybe not <gasps> my favorite anime, maybe my favorite thing that's ever happened. I know. Um, I, I love Dragon <laughs> Doug, Half. You were among the first animes to sort of mainline, okay, we'll get yes. into it. Doug, Doug Finn's an Doug amazing Finn. character. Yeah. He was cut out of the first episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> first of all, what happened there? Secondly, I mean, this was the sort of high school rumors go around pre-internet of what actually happened there. Why are there only two episodes? And also, what? I, I know. it. Uh, you know something? I was just thinking about Dragon Half this morning because, um, I don't know, because it's such an awesome show. But I, I actually, most of my family don't know anything about anime. They don't watch it. They've, they've seen maybe like one thing I did or nothing I ever did. But when Dragon Half came out, I remember I was um, at my grandparents' house. And so we put the videotape into the VCR. And uh, a bunch of my relatives were there. I can't even remember. There was like 10 or 12 of us. And everybody was just laughing their ass off because the show is really, really funny. And um, I mean, I... You can probably still, I don't know, find it somewhere on eBay or whatever. There's, Yeah, there are only two episodes, but that was really common. It came out about mid-90s or so, and uh, it was very common for them to just make like one, two, three episodes of an OVA to promote, you know, either a comic book, you know, a manga, it was promoting a manga, or might be promoting a video game or something like that. And... Uh, it, it is only two episodes, so my character is in the second episode, and uh, the show is just, like, off the wall crazy, but um, one of the characters said something to him, and, and, and anyway, in the conversation, and he doesn't understand what's happening, and uh, so for reference, he decides to watch the first episode of the anime in the second episode of the anime, just suddenly there's a VCR there and he puts the tape in the VCR and he's watching the first episode and then he becomes really enraged because he was edited out of the first episode. <laughs> All of That's happening in gone. the second episode of the anime. It's, it is crazy. I can't even explain it, but I, I just, I love that anime so much. It's really good. And I think, it's one of those things you could show it to anybody. It doesn't, they don't have to know anything about anime. It's just funny. It's just 45 minutes of totally bonkers. It's just so crazy. And the, the ending song is about eggs. Yep. It's actually called Tomago. That's the, that's the ending song is Tomago. So. so what if Mel Brooks picked it up and put it on his own stage? <sighs> Decides to reboot the whole series. <laughs> I could still. Live action cuts Mel Brooks periodic talking to the characters. Yeah, I mean, I, I could still be Doug Finn, I think, you know. What's up, Doug Finn? Do a, like a redub Woody Allen style. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, I love it. Thank you for mentioning Dragon Half. I love it so much. My favorite. Love it. Yeah. He, uh, Who's got next? Uh, yeah. <laughs> go, go ahead. Were, were you into the Twitter stuff? Because that's where. No, I'm no. Going. Okay. Uh, go ahead. Go for it. No, you go. No, that's yeah, where no I'm you, you go. I don't do Twitter. I don't do Twitter, so you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are some of your hobbies outside of acting? Oh, hobbies outside of acting. Uh, man, I love to go to the theater and like see movies in the theater. I mean, I watch movies at home, but I, I love to go and see movies in the theater. That is awesome. I am currently obsessively addicted to playing this stupid solitaire game on my Kindle. <laughs> I, I can't stop playing it. It's, it's like a really, really serious problem. She's playing but it right now. I, I'm, I'm just like, screw you people. I'm, I've, got, I've got to get to the next level. Um, 
anyway, no, my, my, the big thing that I do is I'm involved uh, with, this is like not a fun and amusing thing, but is very fulfilling, is I work with um, an organization in Texas that rehabilitates um, native wildlife. It's called the, the Wildlife Center of Texas. You can find out more at wildlifecenteroftexas.org. And um, yeah, so I volunteer with them and um, we take in all um, injured, ill, orphaned, and oiled uh, native wildlife and even some non-native wildlife occasionally. And uh, yes, we rehabilitate them. But I do a lot of the um, educational programming for them. I love doing that because for me, it's just like another version of live theater, except my props are actual animals. So I did, I played Snow White for like 14 years until I got to be what I called the world's oldest Snow White. <laughs> and so now I feel like I'm still playing Snow White, but the animals are actually real in this version. So no, if Mary Martin and Kathy Rigby can play Peter Pan in their <laughs> 60s or 70s, I think, yeah, I know. I know. That's a good point. But uh, yeah, at some point I has like I I have to stop playing Snow White, you guys. I'm in my forties now. It's like that's just not good. I, I kept doing it because there was a line at the beginning where the evil queen says, Are you certain she is sixteen today? And the woodsman says, There can be no doubt about it. And I'll go damn straight. <laughs> sixteen! Bitches, that's fine. <laughs> that's a, that a very efficient answer. You also, you also handled the charity question around that. So. Yeah, that, that's that's probably my main like active hobby, like thing I do besides poking the screen of my Kindle obsessively with my um, whatever you call it stylus. Yeah, like that. That's good though. It's, all, it's always good to get to know a little mm-hmm. bit outside of the, the acting and the work. <sighs> and I also obsessively read autobiographies. Biographies somewhat, but really autobiographies. Everybody. Right now I'm reading Shelley Winters. That's oh, that's wow. an autobiography that I'm reading. It came out, I'm reading the second one, which was published in 1989, but I am also simultaneously reading the latest biography, the most complete comprehensive biography of Bob Hope by Richard Zeiglin. Shelley Winters has nothing good to say about my cousin who married her, so. <gasps> Tony Franciosa? Oh my God. Well, apparently they had very hot sex. <laughs> <laughs> you know we have we have bad tempers so yeah i can only yeah that was her second imagine. italian that she married so and she she should have done better collect us all i guess yeah well, got, well, got, please, gotta marry them all i was about to say considering max actions during this podcast yes she sure clearly she, <laughs> she is that woman was Thanks, crazy John. i You're love on. reading about her and those are like all the old hollywood stuff and I've read uh, Debbie Reynolds. I've read so many of these books. And I just, I love, like, all the juicy inside old Hollywood um, sex and lies and shenanigans and who was doing what to whom. And fabulous. Love it. Can't get enough. I, I, was, I was going to ask if, if you just read, like, everybody's autobiography. Like, if people just randomly just sit Most of them. Most, most, and, most and people's, you. yeah. Although, well, I won't say. There was one that I... There's a couple of them that I've tried to read. It's like, you're, I'm sorry, this book is boring. I don't care about your life anymore. Can I, <laughs> can I throw a couple suggestions out? Because anytime anybody mentions autobiographies, uh, uh-huh. Patty Smith's Just Kids is absolutely incredible. Oh, okay. And uh, Craig Ferguson's American on Purpose. I've already read that. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I've already read that. Love Craig Ferguson. Well, does anyone else have anything that's not creepy or weird? Where can people find you in the future for conventions that you're attending later this year? Yes, if people want to know about uh, future convention appearances, there is um, animecons.com or um, 
look on my website. It's it's in transition right now. Um, but if you just Google my name, honestly, you will find my website. It's usually the first thing that comes up. The first thing on Google is usually my website. So the website address is changing. It's being, things are happening to it. But just Google my name. Uh, I have sort of a serious question if we're leading out of yeah, things. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, you started with the 80s, 90s anime, sort of a lot of... Well, I, I started working in anime in the 90s, 90s but I was watching it in the 80s. Yeah, and a, sort of the dubs sort of going a little bit back. Um, mm-hmm. There feels like there's sort of been a seismic shift in tone in anime, a little bit more serious, a little bit mm-hmm. more almost doer. Do you see sort of a shift in the industry and what sort of causes the individual anime to get a little bit more self-serious? <sighs> wow, I don't know. I mean, I think... Right now, since uh, the profits in anime are on such a razor-thin margin these days, I mean, they've never really been great, but um, nowadays, I think what drives most things is like, what what do people buy? We just, we just want to make whatever people are actually like paying money to see, whatever is the most accessible thing, we'll just keep making more of that. So um, that's a big driver of the industry right now. So what, whatever they think is making money, there's, there's not a lot of going out on a limb to try to create new stuff, unfortunately. Um, but, I mean, there's, there's, there's still some diversity of the, the project, which is interesting because, like, when I started working in anime in the mid-'90s, um, you could pretty much name all of the shows that were available. Everybody had seen all of the shows, you know, and there was like, oh, there was Tenshi Muyo and there was Sailor Moon and, uh, you know, there was Rama One Half and now you've seen everything. And, you know, <laughs> that was about it. So now, now there are so many shows that are coming out all the time. Nobody could see all of them. Even even nowadays, like now, you can never see everything that there is. Challenge There's accepted. A lot, a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to say before you uh, leave us? Mm. Uh, don't don't send me your screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's a callback to a thing that happened last night, and yes. you weren't there. But don't send me your screenplay. Okay, can we just can we just run down the list? Uh, <laughs> don't send you screenplays. Don't ask. How can uh, how can I take your job? Don't ask for work product. Let, let's 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 be civil and, and deepen the discussion in uh, anime Excellent. panels, please. All right. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much. It's been sure. a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks very much.